0: Welcome back to the Pasathea Powder, dear listeners. The following recordings continue the lurid tale of Captain Sophie Green and Dr. Jane Gonzalez, two brave and, dare I say, beautiful women from the plucky little planet of Cassandra and all the sinister things they discovered after the war. Last time, Captain Green brought her one-time friend, Dr. Gonzalez, two problems. The first was a possibly escaped conspirator on a foreign planet, and the second was the strange behavior of Carla De Luca, a Median officer. This is episode 2, Hypnos. Let us begin.
1: What would you know about shreds of lettuce? "'Sophie, I'll have you know that I've gotten as many as ten shreds of lettuce stuck in my teeth at a time, "'and tripped over my own feet in front of Joshua from Chess Club to cement the memory. "'And here I was thinking we were not friends. "'Oh, no. I guess there's no word for it. "'It's just as well. "'I wouldn't want to endorse the experience for anyone else by naming it.'" Message deleted. "'I tried the thing with the baking powder.' Did it occur to you how awkward that would be, by the way? Why am I even asking? I had my covert operations, but I'm not an agent. And since we stopped hooking up, it's not like I have regular access to Carla's beverages. So... Just to give you full satisfaction, imagine me, if you will, with an ounce of baking soda up the sleeve of my dress uniform, not freely coating my arm—oh no, that would be ridiculous—this baking soda was concealed in one of those old early exit capsules—not the kind you could bite down on, the other kind where you had to screw the top off— I'm probably not the only one on the friendship delegation with dozens of these things lying around, by the way. The infantry people probably have even more of them. It was empty when I found it at the bottom of my workout kit, but I gave it a good thorough clean. I'm not trying to kill Carla, just trying to figure out if she is trying to kill me. We were at a reception. No booze, just the local bottled juice. My advice? If you're planning on visiting Telos for the juice don't. Anyhow, these prep school students wrote essays about peace, and the best ones got to meet us. Turns out, peace essay competition-winning teenagers are surprisingly bloodthirsty, and they had clear loyalties. If you ever wondered whether kids in the PSA were siding with Cassandra to win the war, you should know that it was a 50-50 split. All the usual people sided with the underdog, me in this case, and Anders Lee, and the other two Cassandrans, the twins who are related to Raina Valencia somehow, Mia and Leah. I couldn't even tell them apart during the war, and they still look like the type of people who have knives concealed on every square inch of their bodies. Teenagers will feel sorry for anyone. So the four of us were barricaded in one corner of the room, surrounded by this horde of kids with weird hair, while across the room the four Medeans were surrounded by their own horde of kids with slightly less weird hair. The room got hotter and hotter, and everyone else started to unbutton their uniform jackets and roll up their sleeves, only guess who couldn't do that? I got to stand there just dripping with the baking soda capsule sliding around my wrist. I have never looked better. Anders kept trying to get me to take my jacket off. His voice got so low and rumbly, possibly trying to be convincing. I think everyone's been on high alert for signs of someone else cracking up since Carla started acting so strange. Anders goes, "'Do you want to take your jacket off, Captain Green? Are you warm, Sophie?' If it had been anyone but Anders... But Anders is probably the only person on this friendship delegation to where I can stand." He's no fun, but I do trust him. And I think he trusts me, too. It goes without saying that the twins are the worst. They're good to have around when diplomats are the ones whining and dining us, because in situations like that, they're more charming than all Formideans put together. And not that it's a competition. We are clearly coming out on top of those friendship delegation appearances. But... In a high school multipurpose room, the twins are a tad stiff. They looked this close to stabbing everyone in sight, which would not win us any friendship points. So I very kindly suggested that we move things along by going to talk to the other teenagers. No one was happy about this, but it did give me a chance to take the baking soda in the hither and thither shuffle and dump it straight into Carla's disgusting juice bottle. Before you ask, no one saw me. Well, one of the kids did see me. It it was one of the weirdos, thank goodness. So I, and look, I'm not happy about it either, but what was I supposed to do? I winked at them. It was a wink straight out of the fly jerk playbook. Like, hey, this kid blushed and clammed up, understandably. So they probably went home thinking they're an accessory to murder, but at least a poor downhill war hero winked at them. Here's the problem with your little baking soda trick. If Carla finished the juice, I didn't see her. We left the school and went back to our rooms and she was still nursing the thing like it was straight vodka. I was sure she would down it out of politeness like the rest of us, hold her nose or some shit, but no. So that's it. Not much to report. (laughs) But I had nothing to do before dinner and I thought, well, here it is anyway. I'm going for a walk. Jane, for once in your goddamn life, could you just pick up the... He is here. David Allegro's. He's still here. He's Gotta go.
2: Captain Green, we're on a six-hour delay. I told you that. You're on another planet, and this isn't a military operation. There is no urgency, because there can't be. I can't help you with anything other than information, and you certainly can't assist me, not that you would. That said, I have reason to believe you're right. David Allegros is not on Cassandra, or at least he's no longer under house arrest. I know this, because I am currently standing in his rooms, and it's it's obvious that no one's been here in weeks. The, the bed is made, the bathroom is spotless and fully stocked, there aren't any clothes in the closet. If... if David isn't here, then I have to conclude that you might possibly have... Oh my god. There... check the closet um, but well I'm, I'm not going out there until I um, until the, the coast is clear this is a clean closet anyway um, no spiders or at least none that I can see um, y- you know the, the doors to our private quarters are supposed to be keyed to our fingerprints the only people who are supposed to be able to get in are the occupant and their direct handler. But, but these aren't really rooms. They're, they're glorified prison cells. If they weren't, we could leave. And why would you give a prisoner and only, only one other person the key to her room, her cell? You wouldn't. And they didn't. They're also keyed to, as far as I can tell, the fingerprints of the entire household staff and and the entire Royal Guard, down to the greenhorn cadets and the office secretaries. We can keep each other out, but no one else. It's, it's as good as no lock on the door, really. Um, all, all I had to do was tell a maid I heard running water, and then leave a little tab in the lock while she went to look, leave before she did, and then circle background. I waited until Agent Colin was at lunch. No one tends to be in this part of the building at midday. I I guess maybe the rooms are, are tied to a security system, or the maid's fingerprints are, and Colin maybe thought she was still here, which which makes sense, is perfectly, it's perfectly understandable. I'm just going to give it another, another minute and then I'll leave. Listen, David Allegro's isn't here and you say he's on Telos. There's no way he could be missing without agent Colin knowing This room isn't even a pretense. It's just empty. And there's the false itinerary that's showing up in the records. This means they're working together. I've been encrypting my messages. Have you been encrypting yours? Better start if not, because either an agent of the Royal Guard has gone rogue and is working with a member of the Rowley Conspiracy in a PSA system to unknown ends, or this is sanctioned and... And the Cassandran government is working with a member of the Rowley conspiracy in a PSA system to unknown ends. This is serious, Green. I don't know how much you know about Pasithea, but there's a reason we're stuck in the lower palace with a hundred cameras pointed on us. No one wants to see what we do out of the public eye. Find David Allegros and find someone you trust within your delegation sure but also in the PSA if we're not very very careful we might restart the war okay it's it's been long enough I'm leaving the closet I'm leaving and you'll keep me posted Janie who are
0: you talking to This is a call from Precinct
1: 13 and will be recorded. Hello, you shitbag. It's me. Don't worry about the blank screen. I'm just in jail. Uh, what? No. What? Speak up. Hold. Okay. Forgive me, not jail. Holding. I'm being held. It's very romantic. This is my one call. I fought the guy. Bare knuckles. Very honorable, though. Yes, yes, I did kick him in the nuts. I'm not above that. It was very much the inverse of if you've got him, flaunt him. I had him on the ropes, but then he broke my hand, so here I am. The teammate police were just standing and watching until I hit him with this ornamental tree. Then they came running in. He escaped, obviously, while they were holding me down, so they didn't have to worry about a prison yard round two. That was clearly on purpose. This sleepy-ass planet would rather let a criminal run free than bother to- You know what? I don't blame him. My heart is beating so fast right now. I don't know if you know this, but during the war, I flew four missions with a broken arm. I can handle this. I can handle it. Time limit achieved. Goodbye. just got your message. Yes, this has all been encrypted. I didn't crawl out from a crater yesterday. I was getting trained in this kind of thing while you were still making up songs to remember the digits of pi. The end of your message was of concern. I don't want to get into too many specifics until I hear you're all right. Not that there's much to tell beyond what I told you. Our friend Dave wasn't thrilled to see me. I tried to confront him. He threw the first punch. We fought. He's strong for a string bean scientist. Telos is apparently in the midst of a pain medication crisis, so they wouldn't give me the good stuff, and my hand really fucking hurts. Carla bailed me out. Yeah, after I uh, hung up with you, it occurred to me that wasting my one phone call wasn't the best idea. I get like that sometimes. I'm perfectly aware of my own shortcomings, so there's no need to point them out to me. Anyhow, surprise, surprise, the fight was already streaming all over the PSA before they even booked me. Carla saw it on the news and came to get me. I don't think she even waited to see what the rest thought. I didn't ask. I'm obviously in trouble. Tomorrow I'll find out how much. The whole friendship delegation got summoned to a conference call first thing. At least they're loving it in the PSA. It's good viewing. War hero foils mugging is unjustly arrested is my favorite headline. Then there's stuff like, War hero attacks innocent man with artificial tree. It's too quiet here. It never bothered me before. I'm glad we're leaving soon. After she bailed me out, Carla gave me a lift back. I don't know where she got the ride. Hopefully she stole it, take some of the heat off me. My hand was just starting to hurt, so I was quiet all the way back. She didn't say much either. She didn't act weird. She didn't try to kill me. She didn't make any wrong turns, and she remembered which room I was staying in. She probably would have tucked me in if I had let her. I said that to her, and she rolled her eyes. Apparently I don't know when to turn it off, whatever that means, but it did make her smile. It's the first time she smiled at me since all of this started. She pretty much just left. It took a while to convince her I was all right. Before she left, we're talking in the doorway. She took my non broken hand, stared deep into my eyes, all intense, and said, Don't worry, I won't tell anyone. (laughs) And I had to laugh at that because, lady, you found out about it on the news. Everyone knows. She didn't like me laughing. She did that thing where she put a finger on my lips, like, shh, please, say no more. I said no more. She said, I know you see them too. Then she gave me the smallest, saddest smile and left. I nearly burst out crying right there. I, I can't handle this anymore, Jane. I can't watch this woman drown in front of me, and do nothing but whisper about it.
2: Captain Green, you can handle this. You must, so you can, so you will. That's how being alive works. That said, you have options, at least some of which I hope are obvious. Your first option is to talk to the woman. Tell her what's happening. Part of the danger of hypnosis abuse is that she may not know she's abusing it. Now, the aggression and the paranoia might mean that she takes that badly, so I'd recommend option two instead. Find her accomplice and talk to them. Who knows? Maybe they'll be reasonable and agree that your friend needs to be checked into a psychiatric rehabilitation clinic as soon as humanly possible. If they are uncooperative, you can always expose them both to the rest of the delegation, Or to the PSA itself. There is no reason to do nothing. I doubt she has anything to do with Allegros. She's just an addict. Do what you do best, Captain. Save the day. For whatever good it'll do you. Now, to the matter at hand. You got into a fight with Allegros. The man's, um... Well, I always, um, he's, he's a middle-aged man. (laughs) He's a dad. He has a paunch and a bald spot. He used to complain about a bad knee. I, um, I suppose I'm glad neither of you were seriously injured, although it would have been preferable if you'd detained him rather than brawling with him in the street. Now I must assume he's lost to us. I'm also glad you've retained the self-awareness to realize when you erred, at least occasionally. But still, even if we weren't on a six-hour delay, or you weren't literally on another planet, you might remember that the government seized my assets last year, so I literally couldn't afford to post your bail. Just a note. No need to worry about anyone besides me accessing your messages by the by. I learned how to set up my encryption keys from Evelyn. Did he ever teach you to do the same? Or was he afraid to give his secrets away to the military? Your messages are automatically deleted after I've listened to them, or after 48 hours of being sent if I don't. Your secrets are safe. I'm also quite safe. Agent Blanc was curious, of course, about what I was doing in David's room, so naturally I explained everything. How I tested the lock, how I got the maid to reveal she could get inside, how easy it was to break in. What I wanted to know was who had access to our rooms. I'm getting quite good at acting, you know. It was easy to act terrified and distressed at the idea of anyone at all. Because it is anyone at all, you realize, except for my actual colleagues being able to come into my room while I'm sleeping. Especially when so many of my countrymen want me punished and aren't thrilled with the compromise the government set up for us. I actually managed to weep a little bit. It was quite convincing. Blanc believed me, or at least he acted like he did. He told me I was paranoid, that I was worried about nothing, and he promised to keep a closer personal eye on me since I was so worried. And then... Just as I was leaving, he asked me if I'd noticed anything odd about David's rooms. It's dangerous to play dumb when you're infamous for your intellectual work. I told him they seemed rather empty. He smiled at me and said, yes, they were. He told me David's been quietly removed from the palace in order to have his cancer treated at a remote clinic. The secrecy is for security reasons. I understood, didn't I? I told him, of course I did. I passed on my sympathies to Allegro's wife and daughters. Agent Blanc is my handler, Captain. He doesn't report to Agent Cullen. He reports to the head of the Queen's Guard, who reports directly to Reina Valencia. In case it hasn't occurred to you yet, This is more or less exactly what Evelyn was afraid of. What are you going to do about it?
1: Evelyn was afraid of a lot of things. Most of all, he was afraid that we would stop seeing people. He said that to me once, when I had been going on and on and on about the view from my ship. I was talking in all these colors, inky sky, bright nebula... He asked me what color the people were, and I rolled my eyes like, dude, how can you not know this? That high up, the people aren't any color. They're invisible, or they're a flash in another ship, gone so fast you may have imagined them. We didn't talk about it again, even when we weren't flying so high anymore. If you'd been able to ask again, I would have had a completely different answer by then. In case you're as clueless as he was, people from the sky are exactly the same color as they are on the ground until they get hit by whatever is raining down on them, and then they aren't anymore. What am I going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? One thing at a time. That's how they taught us to conduct a mission report. Item one, condescension aside, I decided to take your advice. Creeping around with my arms covered in baking soda wasn't doing much good, so I just asked. They taught us that in flight school, too. They know it can get lonely up there, and I think they may even have had ideas about how bad it was going to get. The war and everything. So they made us sit opposite each other in this big hangar. First they made us buy our own black bean burgers from this little cart, and then they made us practice asking each other whether we were making plans to kill ourselves. They said it was to practice getting the words out. Those are words that get stuck in the mouth, apparently. For me, it was like the hand-to-hand stuff. Teach your body how to memorize the feeling of reaching up to shove someone's nose into their brain. Practice it a bunch so it doesn't feel like a big deal. And sitting there in flight school, it didn't really feel like a big deal the first time either. I think the guy I was partnered with giggled the whole time. I think I did too. Most of the other partners got more and more somber the longer it went on, but we thought it was hilarious. The thought probably was, if they were going to make us do this, couldn't they buy us lunch first? I bought Carlo lunch. I got us in a public place, this restaurant with umbrellas on the main square. My excuse was that we were leaving. My excuse was that we were leaving Tilo soon, and I didn't want to move on to the next stop while everything was so weird between us. I wanted to apologize. That part was truer than I realized. Anyway, she ordered and I asked her. I asked her, Carla, has someone been helping you dose yourself with hypnosis?" And I don't know what I expected to happen, but I was definitely ready for her to stab me or get up and leave or cause a scene. I was even ready for her to start crying. I did not expect her to smile, but she did. And it wasn't a smug smile. It wasn't a diabolical smile. It was relief. She looked at me like I was offering to take a 50-kilo dumbbell off her hands. Yes, she said, I don't think it's working. I don't think it's working either, I said. Then I asked, who? Mia, she said. Mia! And then, get this, she said, or Leah. She can't fucking tell them apart either. She gave it some thought, then went with Leah, because, quote, she's the one with the druggie connections. Did everyone know this? Or does our royal family gossip have to go as far as Medea to breathe? I still have no idea how those two are related to Reina Valencia, by the way. It didn't seem to matter before, and now I'm not sure I want to know. Anyway, my face must have fallen when I heard it was a Cassandra and providing the stuff because, well, I don't have to tell you. It's what they think of us. effete debauched, etc., etc., etc. I'm fucking sick of it. I've been sick of it since we were kids. The other thing they told us in that hangar was to be honest. So I said to Carla, I have to report you. And she said, I understand. (sighs) On the way back to call headquarters, she told me what it was she was trying to forget. I wish I could tell you. I understand why she wanted to tell me. Once something like that is in your brain, you want to tell everyone. You want to climb up on a table in the middle of the mess hall and yell about it like a batshit prophet. Or you never want to look at it ever again. I want to crack skulls over it, but all the skulls are most likely long dissolved, and it wouldn't make any difference anyway. I won't bore you with what the call was like. The Medean and Cassandran reps wanted to know who was giving Carla the hypnose, and she wouldn't tell them. I don't see much point in protecting Leah, but I guess as a Cassandran, I can appreciate the delicacy of the situation. I'm just surprised Carla did. She told me so easily. She seemed so ready to be done. Andersley was shocked, by the way. The Medean and Cassandra Reps agreed that Carla should be quietly shuffled off back to Medea for treatment, so that is what is happening. As I speak, she's probably winging her way back to, hopefully, a spa and not a prison cell. I don't know how Medeans do these things. Anders wanted to buy me a drink after everything, and I said yes, obviously. I wanted to drain the bar. It's been a while since I did that, and this was looking like the night for it. I was already thinking of the ways I could layer all that liquor. Sunsets and blue giants, so much color. And you don't even have to fly a ship to see it. Instead, we were stopped on our way out the front door. Evelyn did teach me how to encrypt. He trusted me. And apparently he trusted you, which... Well, apparently, these days I trust you too. Maybe because I know you're all alone over there, whereas I at least had Anders Lee, God help me, standing next to me in the lobby when Agent Cullen walked up. Anders was all smiles. He asked all kinds of questions about the trip, about what brought Agent Cullen all this way. He said it was lucky he'd arrived today, not tomorrow, or he would have missed us. He asked after Cullen's family. Sometimes I forget Anders has a background in PR. Cullen barely answered any of this. Anders blathered, and people passed us by, and Agent Cullen stared right at me. Finally, Anders ran out of juice. He cleared his throat. There was the world's most awkward silence. Then Agent Cullen said, David Allegros. I'm looking for him. Jane. What the fuck are we...
0: Hold on. Thank you for listening to the Pasathea powder this was episode two hypnos tune in next time to find out who is at the door and what intentions they have towards our brave captain dr jane gonzalez was portrayed by molly Olgin. captain sophie green was portrayed by jackie Hedeman. agent blanc was portrayed by colin killick and the voice of the computer was cade lebron narration by the thump of your heart when you wake up from a nightmare Original music by Annie Moriondo. If you've enjoyed our little story, we hope you'll tell your friends about us and rate and review us on iTunes. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and CastBox. You can also find us on Twitter at Pasithea Powder or on our website, pasitheapowder.com, where transcripts are available. The Pasithea Powder was created by Bad Wine Productions, Dr. Gonzalez and Captain Green will return in Episode 3, Live from the Telescope.